Good afternoon and welcome to Living Permaculture on KDNK. I'm your co-host Vanessa Harmony of Colorado Edible Forest, joined remotely by my co-host Jerome Osentowski of Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute, or CRIMPY for short. We're also joined today by three of CRIMPY's current agricultural interns. The theme of today's show is Finding Your Way to Permaculture. We'll examine the educational and career paths of our three guests and their journey in studying permaculture design. Musa Saab, Katie Giebler, and Tony Morrow, welcome to the program. Hello. I'll begin briefly by introducing our guests, then give them the opportunity to expand on their background, and then I have a collection of exploratory questions. Musa Saab is from Los Angeles. He's only 21. He's pre-med in college. He's been volunteering for about four weeks so far at Crimpy, and will be taking part of Crimpy's Permaculture Academy. Katie Giebler is an industrial and systems engineer. She studied at University of Florida in Gainesville. She has participated in the Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. The acronym for that is WOOF. Jerome will be referring to them as WOOFers. Katie has been a WOOFer since February of 2023, where she's had experience in cultivating vegetables and livestock, including pigs, chickens, sheep, and goats. Katie is a Lean Six Sigma Green Belt. Katie has worked on production schedules, reports, and efficiency improvements at a coffee plant. She's been a manufacturing analyst for Marine or Naval Systems Company, and she's been a demand and supply analyst for Orthopedic Implants Company. Tony Morrow has been a woofer or a volunteer on organic farms since May of 2021. He's worked as a designer or programmer or machinist for a motorsports company, a programmer and machinist for a tower and crane hoist company, as a manufacturing engineer for an aircraft company, and various other engineering and manufacturing companies. So I'd like to hear from all three of you. Um, Tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you first learn about permaculture design? And what is it about permaculture design that piqued your interest? Um, I'll start with myself, Marissa. Hi. Um, I first got introduced to uh, permaculture through reading uh, one of Mark Shepard's books, Restoration Agriculture. And then uh, uh, it really uh, uh, persuaded me to pursue, like, uh, like, more education on the permaculture and how permaculture works. And I heard that he got his license from Jerome. Uh, Mark certificate. Shep- yeah, his permaculture design certificate from Jerome about 20, 30 years ago. And I thought, you know what, I can get the same certificate as well. So I traveled over here, thought I'd get some extra experience. So I think I've volunteered for about, I'll be volunteering for about five weeks and then I'll do one week of class, and um, I think uh, permaculture is a really new, uh, really radical approach to agriculture that's really needed uh, in response to the way we farm nowadays. Uh, That just destroys the soil and it keeps, you know, um, adding costs and such as fertilizer and pesticides that's not good for us ourselves or the environment so um i think it'll be a great experience it's been a great experience so far here at uh crimpy 
And I noticed, if you notice, he has a little accent, and he's actually Lebanese. And he brought his brother along as well, so um, it's a, kind of a two-for-one thing here. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, a couple of young guys, and they've had a, a lot of energy, and uh, we've gotten a lot of carbon moved around and built a lot of things. And uh, it's been really good having them here, and uh, yeah, that's been uh, fun. And, and He's going to take some of this back to Lebanon to maybe help with his grandfather, who manages owned hotels there, and he's going to do some permaculture back there, hopefully a bench space. So who's up next? I'll go. Tony here. Um, I guess uh, I'm kind of have a uh, a soft spot for agriculture. I've always been um, one who uh, is self-sufficient. And um, when I quit my last job, I kind of got tired of building toys for rich people <laughs> and uh, wanted to start uh, doing some farming, mainly to take care of myself and feed myself. And uh, I was really gravitated to permaculture because um, I, I don't agree with all the synthetic inputs that are required for any agricultural purpose. And people have been plenty productive for thousands of years growing food before ammonium nitrate fertilizer. So permaculture seemed to be, to me, um, the easiest route where the most data was to, to get back to a more holistic um, approach to growing food. And you notice that uh, all your experience here is that we never buy anything. So we've been building raised beds out of a scrap pile of recycled piles that uh, I've had over the years here, and I found all kinds of great material. You've been building steps. Um, one of the things we want to do here is work smart and safe. And so whenever there's a, an area that needs access, we need some good steps, and you've been building some nice steps from recycled material. And, and all the carbon that we've been using for building beds comes to us for free, right? We have mm -hmm. the horse manure for free. We have the chips. We have the leaves. And uh, we have the worm castings, and we have the worms, and the rabbit manure, and all that goes into building worm farms. Basically, that's kind of how uh, that's how we make our soils, and how we do that. Yeah, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, although that's the nice thing about permaculture, it seems it's the cheapest way to do anything too. Yeah. Exactly. Right, Tony, on your resume, I liked how you said you had been studying minimal input passive agricultural systems, and I thought that was a very elegant way to describe permaculture design. <laughs> yeah. Katie, let's hear from you. Okay, so my educational background, um, I chose industrial engineering because I, well, I started off software engineering and I didn't like sitting still for too long, so <laughs> I I want it to be a bit busier and um, involved with, like, making stuff. Um, so that's why I chose industrial engineering, because you get to learn a little bit about um, all the different types of engineering and business. Um, and then I spent uh, five years working in various types of manufacturing, um, working on process improvements, um, data analysis, and production and material planning. So I did, like, a little bit of, like, every business I worked in. Um, so at some point I knew I wanted to take some time off to learn some more practical and useful skills. So I was just kind of browsing, work away, woof, kind of trying to decide like what I wanted to go learn, where I wanted to go travel. And, um, farming seemed like a good first one to start off with. It seemed like maybe the most important 
skill I could learn would be growing my own food. And I, I didn't know what permaculture was. I just <laughs> was looking at the Wolf website. Um, I saw a farm in Maui that had the description, um, used a lot of terms that were familiar to me working like in a production environment. So it felt like comfortable for me to go over to farming in a way that was like kind of structured um, and following like processes. So once I got to the farm in Maui, um, they were using aspects of permaculture and there was a permaculture class I got to take for free on the farm. Um, and then I just got hooked <laughs> after that and um, have been to two more farms that also use um, various aspects of permaculture. Um, I'm still like pretty uh, intro level, I think, learning, but um, I'm really like passionate about what everyone I've visited has been doing um, for bettering the their community, their the environment, and um, yeah, just being self-sufficient with our food, I think, is so important. Awesome. And we at one point worked on a nuclear submarine. Yes. Soul sucking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what what have what what piqued your well what what has been your impression here since um being here eating all the mulberries and, and king cherries and seeing all the fruit that's on the vine ready to ripen over the next two or three months? Oh, I was telling Tony like yesterday that eating the mulberries and cherries off the tree is like the highlight of my day. Just walking out there and snacking straight from the tree. Um, right. And we have the best fruiting year of ever crimpy and probably the 40 mm-hmm. years of crimpy here. We have more fruit on the on the vine, uh, slow release. Uh, just uh, every week there'll be something new. And uh, right now we have so many mulberries. And, uh, it's one of my favorite trees. And we're going to have to do some sheets and shake, in the, shake uh, mulberries down off, off the tree and gather them from pies or something like that. So that um, that's kind of a wrap with everybody. Uh, I think um, it's been ex- it's great to have uh, you know recycled engineers, uh, you know, and we kind of re- retrofit them into uh, more practical skills, um, whether it's building stuff or uh, and we're going to start our uh, academy on uh, Saturday. And this will air on Monday, so there's still anybody who wants to take the academy. They could take one day, or they could take the second module, which is the Pearl Start module. Um, they check our website out, crmpi.org, uh, if you want to do any part of the academy. And it's going to be a great, a great class. We're going to have a, a field trip. Uh, on the 15th, the four different greenhouses that we've managed or designed, and we're going to go see Stephanie Sison's food forest and uh, um, play in the greenhouse, eat a lot of mulberries, eat a lot of cherries, and uh, we have uh, lots of raspberries, too, lots of really amazing raspberries, tropical and red raspberries and blonde raspberries coming on big time. And you're learning permaculture as a sidebar of your being here, and you're learning yeah. agricultural skills. Um, you, you learn while you work. 
Well, let's go back to something from Katie's uh, educational and career history. You're a green belt in Lean Six Sigma. Tell us what is Lean Six Sigma. Okay, so it's like a combination of um, two different um, like philosophies. So lean is like uh, reducing waste in like a system or a process, and that's um, it was started by Toyota. Um, so when you're looking at a process, um, there's different types of waste, and you want to identify them, reduce it to um, be able to uh, do your process in the most efficient way possible. Six Sigma is um, like more statistical based. It's about reducing defects in a process. So you want to be able to produce um, the same result every time, um, most of the time. So I spent a lot of time um, in my career just like teaching people the different tools um, in the Lean Six Sigma way so we can look at our processes. So, uh, for example, like signing, assigning um, IT ticket problems in a theme park um, to be resolved and um, incorporating everybody who, like, touches that process and getting them sitting in the same room, talking about it, mapping it out, um, identifying all of their waste and, um, like, doing timing of how long things take and um, having a baseline uh, to improve from. Interesting. Well, uh, in your history, Katie, and also in Tony's, I noticed there was a lot of focus on efficiency and cost reduction, which are in line with the permaculture principles of producing no waste, applying self-regulation and accepting feedback, creatively using and responding to change. So I was just wondering if you could reflect on what kind of comparisons or divergences or similarities you've observed with those principles and in your history um, compared to permaculture design? Uh, I think it's, 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 they pretty well 100% parallel each other, except the motivator for, for efficiency increased is cost reduction. Right. So is like if the metric was changed to where cost wasn't a factor and it was environmental doing benefit. the best thing for the soil, mm-hmm. then, you know, it would be, it would, be exactly the same. Well, as I'm sure you know, permaculture design can be applied to more than just site designs or agricultural designs. In fact, at one point, I used permaculture design to design my future career path in life when I was at a a crossroads, as I kind of sense you might be as well. So can you think of something in your life or at home or in your career pursuits that you might like to apply permaculture design to in the future? Yeah, one thing I think about a lot is um, I, I don't. Uh, my my big problem with human consumption is not necessarily that humans are consuming, but none of their waste streams are soluble to the natural environment. Mm-hmm. And then you could consume limits limitlessly if your waste was food for something else. Right. So that would be something that I thought about frequently. <laughs> and here we have the example of. You know, everything goes into the worm farms. Right. We have a composting toilet, and you you experience that. We actually got to change out a barrel and put in the mycelium and the worms and uh, recycle that. And that's a you know that's a 25 year old composting toilet that's been permitted, has an engineering stamp on it, and it's it's legal by 
figures by Eagle County. So, uh, and we have you know line drawings of, of that. So we would like to start building these composting toilets because they really work. Yeah, and they work in high altitude, cold environments. And you know we have this amazing uh, in product that we don't use on vegetables or anything. We just use it on you know shrubs and trees and. Uh, it's a very small amount of end product. But it doesn't smell. It doesn't withdraw flies. It's non-toxic. And then we, you know, we lean ourselves off of our septic system. Yeah. So all the solids come out, go into the compost internal, recycled through mycelium worms, and uh, that's been a really great experience for me. And uh, and we, you know, during our our process of getting trying to get the special use permit, we are. We were forced to get um, an engineering stamp on that, and so we did that. But we're using our composting toilet as a use for use by right as a as use by farm mm. right. Right. So, Musa, are you going to continue on your pre-med path? Um. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, I do. Uh, one of the I'm going to continue on with pre-med, and hopefully I'll become a doctor. Um, I'll see if this fulfilling, as I think it will be. But uh, I do want to get into permaculture as young as I possibly can, because growing trees takes a lot, a lot of time, and I would like to see the fruits of my labor before I, you know, get too old, like so my kids can, you know, pick up mulberries off the tree as well. Um, getting back to the economic side of permaculture, uh, one thing that I really learned from one of Mark Shepard's lectures was uh, every time you have an expense, you can draw yourself onto the other side of the equation and make the, uh, and make a profit. And uh, one great example uh, that I've learned is that uh, if you want to buy a lot of trees for land and you're like, oh, I don't have any money to buy trees, you can move yourself onto the other side of the equation and be like, okay, I'll buy 1,000 nursery stock, and to get another 1,000 more will only cost an extra $50 as opposed to the first 500 And then you become a nursery business, and you sell as many trees as you can until you hit even, and then the rest you can go plant on your farm. And... Uh, then you planted all these trees uh, at, what do you call it, breaking even or even making a profit. So uh, I think that can definitely, that principle uh, can be applied to more than just uh, permaculture. It can be applied to my life. So every time I'll be like, uh, I don't have enough money for something, I can think, oh, how can I make money off of it instead? Well, another example of that is Vanessa and I are both nursery. Uh, you know, the spring, Michael Thompson, my partner in ecosystem design, um, throws his apricot seeds out on his garden beds. And then I think you you came by and dug up about 50 apricot seedlings for this spring, right? Right. And then I, I just picked up another 40 or 50 that you forgot or, or that were late blooming. So I have 50 apricot seedlings. So all you have to do is find a seed plant it then you have a tree for the most part if you don't need to graft it you can most most uh stone fruits come true to seed 
So you eat that seed and you stratify it, you plant it next year, and you have a tree. Um, or you can graft onto that tree. So doing nursery or getting a food forest is there's a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting and cheap ways of doing that. And so it's amazing. Uh, we just dig them up out of the ground, pot them up in on pot, which is free. And we make our own soil here because we have worm castings and we can find other things to make our own potting soil. So basically, we have no no cost to do a nursery. And again, we can dig up 15 plum trees, suckers, and seedlings from every one of our varieties of plums and sell those. So it's a self-perpetuating, you know, money machine. Uh, and, you know, we go around eating mulberries and planting more mulberries, uh, more raspberries. And, uh, and I love the diversity uh, of, you know, 150 varieties of fruit here that we have on this one acre of food forest and counting. There's a question you asked a few questions ago that I was excited to answer. Can I answer that one? Please. It was something about maybe like applying stuff I learned to farming. It's not directly answering the question, but I want to talk about because it's something I think about a lot and I've thought about at every farm I've been at. Um, so like when I was talking about Lean Six Sigma, one of the tools that we use a lot is called 5S, um, and, it's, and it stands for sort, set in order, shine, standardize, and sustain. And it's a process you go through um, to clean up, like, your workspace. Generally, it's with, like, the tools that you're using. Um, and the, the benefit of this is you're reducing um, motion, searching for tools, and you end up reducing um, a lot of time, like, searching for tools um, and you know, if, you, if you're sharing a workspace with other people, like, everyone um, will know where it goes back and it will reduce, like, you know, little arguments with each other. Um, and I've seen it um, just save years off of people's lives in a manufacturing environment, um, not searching for tools. So that's something, like, I'm passionate about, like, bringing over to farming, like, while I'm working on farms or have my own farm is that um, that concept from what I've learned in my career. Yeah, we need to organize our tools. <laughs> uh, nothing is organized. And, and I, you know, we have to put away tools when we use them. I, I need to have somebody come and organize my tool, my workbench, uh, mm -hmm. and my tool, uh, my workshop, so that we can actually. But we've been able to manage. And I noticed that you You've been able to build steps and everything uh, from whatever we find, uh, whether it's screws, fasteners, wire, uh, boards, uh, liner. Uh, you know, we've built some really nice beds without any in you know, building those beds. If you went down the lows, it would cost you know, a couple of hundred, three hundred dollars or so, and mm -hmm. by the time to haul it in here. And we found it all on the site, and then we had to find all the soil to build the bed. And we'll be planting a, a pulse crop of radishes and presto turnips in there, and eventually the fall will be in seed garlic in those beds. Yes, I think it's good to have a healthy obsession with efficiency, workplace efficiency, and project efficiency. And in fact, that's one thing most of my career mentors have had in common, whether it was Jerome or Laura Perkins at Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture or my landlord, Jared Kirst at Rivendell Farms. 
Uh, we're all obsessed with efficiency because it saves everybody. So we are uh, running short on time, um, but just as some final thoughts, um, let's hear about what you have planned for your futures. You're going to the next farm? <laughs> yeah, so I have um, one more wolf lined up in southwest Colorado at a seed farm um, to diversify my experience. <laughs> and I don't have any more farms set up after that, but I know eventually I want to um, have my own farm. So I'm thinking about that a lot. Um, I think uh, for my future, I know uh, a lot of it will be med school, of course. Uh, that is my future for the next 10 years. <laughs> so um, if I can find enough time to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, I can you know, make the leap to get on some debt and buy some land and develop real estate passively uh, using permaculture uh, design method uh, that will, you know, one day become a farm where I can sell later on and buy more land. Uh, but, uh, you know, I need to find you know, the right place for me. And I think that takes some time. Uh, for me, I think um, I've been doing a lot of studying, and I'm coming to the conclusion I need to stop studying and start doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, probably within the next year or so, I think I'd like to do uh, to start my own thing, do a farm, and then because uh, I also do, I, I really enjoy making tools. Um, that's part of one of has been one of my jobs for a long time is designing tools to increase efficiency for processes. And then one thing I have a lot of passion for is uh, I like human powered machines. And then there's a lot of meat on the bone in between a shovel and a tractor that <laughs> can be improved. So that's going to be one of my focuses. And then uh, also probably teaching and then uh, replicating the data that I uh, obtained. And then um, trying to, I mean, present it in a way that my brain understands it to other people. Because uh, some people, I guess, some people learn from other people, you know? Right. Um, as, it's, it's easier to absorb information from, you know, different people. So, Absolutely. Well, you all have some very fascinating perspectives and backgrounds. So thank you so much to our guests, Musa Saab. Katie Giebler and Tony Morrow for joining the program today to discuss their educational and career paths and their journeys in studying permaculture. As always, you can contact Jerome and Crimpy at 970-456-3480 or crmpi.org. And you can contact myself and Colorado Edible Forest at coloradoedibleforest.com. We'll talk to you next month on another episode of Living Permaculture on KDNK. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, Grandfather, tell me how it was when you were young. Was the world so very old when your life had just begun? Oh, Grandfather, tell me.